This is Outstanding in the Field, a podcast by Perennia highlighting production practices, pest management, and more for field crops in Nova Scotia. I'm Caitlin Condon, your host and Provincial Field Crops Specialist. This episode, I'm joined by Carolyn Held, Professor of Sustainable Agriculture at Université Laval in Quebec. Carolyn's research team is doing some exciting work on cover crops, including working on solar corridor cropping systems with local farmers, which we get into in this episode. All right. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So to get started, could you give us a little bit of background about uh, who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm an associate professor at Laval University. My name is Caroline Ald. I grew up on an organic dairy farm in Quebec, so I have a very strong farming background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I studied agriculture for my bachelor's degree in Quebec, and then I, I moved to Nova Scotia for my master's degree, um, where I lived in Truro, and, um, and then moved on for a PhD to Manitoba and then U.S. And then I'm back uh, in Quebec teaching uh, agriculture to uh, undergraduate and graduate students and doing lots of research on cover crops. Awesome. Now you've been uh, all over the place, seen lots of different, <laughs> lots of different systems and lots of different uh, ways of farming, which is, which is great. Yeah, it was very inspiring also to meet farmers from different regions within Canada and see what they experiment on their farms. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. No, very cool. Um, so our kind of main topic today that we're going to talk about is um, solar corridor cover cropping. Um, so to start us off, could you just kind of give me a background about um, or describe a sol- solar corridor system? So a solar corridor cropping system is um, a system that was developed in the U.S. mostly um, about like more than a decade ago, uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, 20 years ago, um, where you use a wa- wider row spacing so you can get more light to each mm-hmm. of your uh, row, like a crops so let's say you usually grow on your farm a uh, corn on 30 inch row spacing if you use the solar corridor (laughs) cropping system you would uh, seed your corn with a 60 inch row spacing Mm -hmm. that means that each of the row each of the corn on the row on your 60 inch uh, corn row um, would have a lot more sunlight um, but I'll, that also gives you a great opportunity for um, in the inter row to grow cover crops and lots mm-hmm. of it because there will be more lights, uh, more light than each of the inter row. Yeah, no, it seems like it would be beneficial, as you said, like for both, for both the cover crops and for the corn because of that um, extra light penetration. Yeah, exactly. So um, other than corn, what other crops would be compatible with this type of system? So this system is has been used in the U.S. mostly for corn. Mm-hmm. Um, in Quebec, we have a group of about a dozen of farmers that have been trying those systems on their own farms. Half of them are certified organic, half mm-hmm. of them are conventional farmers. So it's great to have a... Um, those experiments yeah types of farms and also the some of them are no-till farmers others have reduced tillage and others uh, use uh, plowing so okay yeah so you're covering all the different (laughs) options there (laughs) um 
So they what they've tried, uh, they've tried corn for sure. They've tried also uh, soybeans and they've tried uh, sunflowers. So I guess any okay. crops that they would typically grow in a 30 inch row, mm -hmm. they've tried it in a 60 inch row. And I think that the one that seems most fitted would be corn, because mm -hmm. C4 crop that would take as much sunlight as you give it. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yeah. No. Awesome. Um. So flipping to the cover crop side of it, what cover crop species would be most compatible with this? I, you know, with regular interseeding cover crops into corn at you know your regular thirty inch spacing, we have to stick to pretty shade tolerant. Uh, species so is, is that different with uh with this system yeah we've done um a few different trials mm -hmm. uh, so we've done a single species cover crops in those systems um using like only annual ryegrass mm -hmm. uh, it works well but we're I guess one of our role <laughs> as uh, researchers is to try to get farmers to experiment different things. So we were really, I guess, agronomists and researchers have been pushing uh, uh, diversity, like crop diversification, just mm -hmm. like doing something different than just corn and soybean and their crop rotation, but also for cover crops. So like, let's use cover crop as a a good mean to bring diversification and use cover crop mm -hmm. mixtures so different species so we've tried a species um, a mixture of uh, five or six different species so we've mm -hmm. always mixed um, grasses so we've had annual ryegrass and we've put um, also different legumes so we've had a, a clover um, red clover and we've had also, we've put mustard in this, uh, and it's a, a a mustard that is not typically used anyway, but okay. any type of mustard would work, would work. It's a Abyssinian mustard. It's, it's expensive. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the best cover crop yeah, exactly. from an economic standpoint. <laughs> so, and for legumes, we had the red clover. We had also hairy veg and mm -hmm. we had also um, niebe. Uh, it's a cowpea. So okay, again, yep. it's not yeah, often used, but it's a, it's more like a tropical. Uh, mm -hmm. So we thought like, oh, it would get lots of sunlight. So maybe it would grow very well. It kind of looks like soybeans. Um, mm -hmm. So we have, we've had that mixture of six different species and we have a one graduate student right now looking at the weed competition um, with cover crops versus weeds and 30 inch row and 60 inch row. Oh, awesome. And um, yeah, so she found out that uh, I guess just the above ground biomass of the cover crop is a lot of course, a lot uh, higher and the 60 inch row, almost mm -hmm. double. So that's very great for um, like carbon sequestration, for example. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and yeah, and also it's good for wheat competition. So the more cover crop biomass you have, the more competition you can. Have you found like a species mix or a, or a single species that works the best in what you've done? Yeah, well... So all of our cover crops always establish very well because we That's use <laughs> a seeder, like we drill seed. Um, okay, yep. With three or four units in between each each 30 inch row. Mm -hmm. So it, it depends on our, on our setting. And uh, yeah, so, but most of the time it's a, a three rows 
uh, that we drill in between each 30 inch rows. And that would mean seven, um, we were able to, to seed seven rows uh, in between the, like each mm -hmm. 60 inch interrow. Right. I guess the, the establishment was good with like single species or uh, mixtures mm -hmm. of species. Uh, that was never the problem. Um, and we always had good biomass. Uh, <laughs> we knock on wood for yeah. But, um, so I yeah I I so I guess my preference would have would be to have just a mixture because we mm -hmm. know it's beneficial. Also, like if you have different, um, that that can brings also different root type of root exudates in yeah. this world. Like it's just you have a. If you diversify your above ground biomass, you diversify also your microbial biomass, and mm -hmm. so and we're just microbial. All good things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But there was no clear difference, like none, like single species or mixtures. They both work well. Oh, good. No, that's awesome. We have a, you know, a number of people that are interceding cover crops into corn just at regular thirty inch spacing, and they would typically use um, either ryegrass on its own or like a ryegrass clover yeah. uh, or ryegrass clover radish uh, mix yeah yeah, yeah. Those seem to be the most popular ones so. uh -huh. and for our trials we decided to use only annual like summer annual cover crop mm -hmm. species uh, but i know that some farmers have experimented with uh, perennials where, oh wow um, in the 60 inch row they decide that during the season they go in between the row while the corn is growing yeah oh yeah they, they either mow it or they roll it with a roller crimper or oh, there's also interesting that is new in quebec the roll and sem i think it's called but it's it's kind of a rolling equipment but it's, it sounds to me that if you have like more than i don't know 50 hectares <laughs> or 100 hectares with corn this way would be uh, time consuming but be a uh, lot of work yeah for sure yeah, yeah. but uh interesting but though yeah during the season maybe at that at that time where you're doing the mowing you don't have other uh, farm operations are not that many um, right you've got a kid that wants to spend yeah. some time on a tractor smelling <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> yeah <laughs> no that's really interesting it feels it seems like that could be a cool opportunity for um like strip tillage too yeah like exactly. stripping in between and mm -hmm. having having that more permanent cover crop yeah i feel like some farmers the way they see it they see it as having like they have a cover crop field mm -hmm. with biannual or perennials, like almost like a hay field. Mm -hmm. They just happen to, yeah, strip till and put corn, corn in. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then the next year they grow in sixty inch row. They just move, move over like thirty inch, <laughs> and then they grow in the middle of the enter row from the previous year. So right. Um, so they see it as well, almost as a cover crop field more than a corn field. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Definitely a, a mindset thing. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> um, so when you're seeding the cover crop, um, what what's the timing of that? Like, is it the same as what we would target for just interseeding at 30 inch spacing? It is, and we've do we've done it uh, at different timing, and we usually do it between V four, so the vegetative 
stage of uh, corn, uh, mm -hmm. four leaf or eight leaves. Um, and it works well. And for farmers that have, uh, on some of our trials where we have, we use herbicides. So I guess we do it just a, a few days after using glyphosate. Yeah. As in organic systems, uh, you would do it uh, just after um, your last uh, mechanical weed control and between right yeah yeah um, but between v4 and v8 is usually so it's so it's very similar it's identical to what we recommend so the reasoning i guess behind doing it at v4 v6 kind of stage is so that we miss that critical weed free period we're not trying to compete and, and reduce yields in the actual corn yeah. um but I, I definitely, I have some people who are interested in, they want to have something green growing there all the time. Um, so they want to put their cover crop down when they're seeding their corn. So mm -hmm. I guess that would kind of flip back into that kind of more permanent cover crop system. So you guys are drilling um, your cover yeah. crops in. And so can you kind of describe that? implement um and and maybe talk a little bit about drilling versus broadcasting yeah so because we use a an equipment that is for research mm -hmm. <laughs> um it's it's really like a, a cereal like a, a cedar for just spring cereals uh, yep. it has a double disc and it's very straightforward and yep. we just remove some units where the corn rows are and then and we've never done trials where we broadcast seed, but I think okay. many farmers that would be in 30 inch row, um, they would broadcast seed. And and yeah, and most of the agronomists in Quebec don't recommend that. Uh, but I guess if you have no equipment for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's better than no cover crop. <laughs> yeah, sure. exactly. exactly. Yeah. 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 No, that's something I'd be definitely interested in is is seeing more kind of interceding stuff and I think it is really cool to see people doing kind of what you're describing where you just take a regular drill you don't need a special piece of equipment you can modify a regular drill yeah. um, to make it work for that <laughs> I think is really cool makes a lot more sense than having you know a specialized piece of equipment yeah for sure and I guess one limitation of that is the height of your I don't know what it's called in English, but like the beam. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I guess you you cannot go later. Like at some point your corn is, and it depends on the season, how right. fast the corn grows. So you just have to make sure you don't. Yeah. Get in there early. <laughs> yeah, get in there early. And also I, that would be more in soybeans, but I know some farmers, like on my parents' farm, we've mm -hmm. used helicopters before. So we have some, oh, cool. <laughs> some people here that would do it. You just hire someone and they would see cover crop with helicopters within Neat. your field, so you have less damage. Yeah. Uh, but that would be mostly for a fall seeded uh, cover crop or like fall seeded fall cereal, like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and soybeans before harvesting the soybeans. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've had um, we have a couple of people dabbling with seeding cover crops with drones. Oh, okay, yeah. Here, which is cool too. So mm -hmm. it kind of, yeah, hits those same windows. You're not quite as bound to, you know, uh -huh. that exact timing. Talking about the wider rows, can we talk about how that impacts yield and plant population, things like that? 
so there's a group of farmers that have tried this for many years now. I think they started in 2019 mm -hmm. to do some farm trials. Uh, so what they are observing or measuring is about the yield reduction with using 60 inch rows of about 20 to 30 percent mm -hmm. just because you'd have twice as less corn rows right um, so but on each of the corn row you still it's still like the seeding rate that are the the distance in between each seed is smaller mm -hmm. so you don't have quite like half the seeding rate because you have right. only half the rows yeah so it's about 20 to 25 percent less of the seeding rate so for sure if you seed and just to give you an example for some of our trials at and at 30 inch row we would have uh, 80 in Quebec, the recommendation is to seed corn at 80,000 plants per hectare. Mm -hmm. That's hectare, I should have. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's yep. not acre, but anyway, it's 80,000. And then in 60 inch, we've seeded at 60,000. Okay. So 20, 25% reduction. Or, um, uh, and in terms of yield, so of course you have less, like the number of corn plants are lower. So, mm -hmm. uh, so you have a lower yield um in our trials we've reached we were able to just uh have a 10 to 15 percent reduction and and corn yield with oh, it's not too bad yeah so and I, i'm sure like if we keep working on this we're just going to get better and better um, yeah it's just like we're just starting <laughs> those trials so i think we need like uh, just basic agronomy trials with just like different seeding rates and see mm -hmm. what's the the best seeding rate. We just look at the literature from like US and try to replicate stuff without adapting right. it. So, so and fifteen percent is not bad. It's not bad if yeah. you have like double the amount of cover crop biomass. So maybe you expect like a legacy effect of the yeah of having that much cover crop and the buildup of soil health. And the That's weed maybe. control, like there's mm -hmm. a lot of other benefits that come with that slight reduction in yield. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Have you looked at twin rows versus single rows? Because I've seen um, places in the U.S. where they do this type of system with a twin row. Yeah, we've never tested it um, at, at the university, but some farmers have tested it. And uh, each of the farmer that <laughs> they've done the trial, they just use whatever they use. Right. Their equipment. So some of them had twin rows. Uh, yeah, cedar they were rows. doing them anyways. Yeah. Right. But, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like that would be another one where you kind of have to narrow in on um, the agronomy and the seeding rate and mm -hmm. kind of optimize it for everything. So, yeah. <laughs> and also considerations. probably for your your own soil types on your farm like it's a an oh yeah and yeah so for sure um are there certain characteristics that you should look for in a corn hybrid that would um make it more suitable for this type of a system so there's there's practically no research done on this okay um we've been told that we should look for a <laughs> for corn that would um put their leaves like not not keep their leaves high right like, up to the sky but also like that would uh, have yeah. more horizontal right leaves yeah <laughs> but then we call we call many many uh, uh corn seed supplier and yeah like every year and we're like oh you know we're testing those 60 inch uh, <laughs> 
right wrapping systems like do you do you have anything to recommend and they just don't know yeah mm. <laughs> there's no research done on this and they're like oh really cool yeah yeah like my with my team we've been thinking that maybe we should maybe we it would be beneficial to have a corn that would have a root system that would maybe not compete for water mm -hmm. or yeah, or that would be very efficient with taking up water because sometimes mm -hmm. water, like within this, it depends, not last year. <laughs> no, not last year. But... Like if July and August is very dry, then. Right. Yeah, it... yeah then there's going to be some competition for, for, water. for moisture. Yeah. But again, there's no uh, research done on this. And That's and interesting. Also, yeah. yeah. Also, it's, yeah, it's rare to uh, have the information about the root system like of different yeah. hybrids yeah not it, something you'd normally yeah look at really yeah. i guess which but... we should be looking more, more looking more totally to yeah but yeah the leaf architecture i guess that you know that makes sense if you have more leaf area that's intercepting the light then that's mm -hmm. the goal yeah and again, there's been no research on this, but we were thinking with my research team that maybe we would want a corn that is shorter a little bit. We're not sure, mm -hmm. <laughs> but just we're thinking about the wind mm -hmm. and how like, there's right. no, yeah, there's no protection. It's just like a single row. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Or, I never thought or, about that. Or maybe it's just the root system that would be stronger. That right. would stand like- Kind of anchor it a little bit better. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah, no, okay. that's- no research on this that never occurred to me but that makes complete sense especially again the last couple of years we've had late september post-tropical storms and hurricanes yeah. and stuff and it's it's a concern in just our regular spaced corn so it would be that much worse in a wider mm -hmm. row uh we started our research project just because one farmer came to me and was like hey we're starting this group like we're about like a dozen of farmers like interested mm -hmm. in this and you should get on board oh <laughs> so, awesome so it's yeah often it's like farmers call me and they're like you know we should have research we we um, want to do this yeah let's exactly. figure out the best way yeah, yeah. so that's awesome did, that's the yeah. best yeah that's the best way for uh mm -hmm. things like that to start <laughs> yeah so we didn't get the initial uh, idea although right. I remember when I was doing my my PhD, I went to a conference in US where I met the researchers that are working on those systems. That I think that was 2014. And I remember I was there with a, a, a professor from the University of Manitoba and we both of us were like, yeah, we should try to do research on this. And then we finally did it well I did it six years later in yeah. the province but, uh, <laughs> but yeah I know you've you said you were working with both um organic and conventional farms on this type of system so I want to talk a little bit about crop fertility and if there are adjustments that you would make in the system either to the amount of fertility that you're putting down or um, also like the method, I guess, because typically we're broadcasting like our corn top dress, but if you've got that much more space in between the rows, like what's the, we're, we're wasting a lot of nitrogen there and that's not targeting necessarily mm -hmm. the corn roots. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I think the recommendation would be to 
apply the nitrogen and the bend. Yeah. Yeah. We've done the error of doing it broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> and we're measuring like greenhouse gas emission from that. It's a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we're losing lots of nitrogen. Yeah. Um, yeah um, we've decided because there's no recommendation for those systems and no trials. So we've just right. decided to use whatever is recommended usually, which mm -hmm. in spec would be 170 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare, mm -hmm. um, just typically. So we did not take into account that we're seeding um, less, like right. we're seeding 60,000 plants per hectare instead of 80,000. We just decided to apply the same amount of nitrogen right. per area which I think would make sense to reduce how much nitrogen we're putting because we have lower, like the number of corn plants is lower. And our trials, just using the provincial recommendation for fertilization, we had no issue. So we had, yeah, it, it, it was uh, a good fit. We actually, we found out that there was more uh, N2O emission from the 60 inch row spacing than the 30 inch row spacing. oh interesting yeah mm. but this could be due to many different things but one right. of them is just having more cover crop biomass right and then you just add more nitrogen and carbon into your system so yeah. microorganisms are just like yeah free food like we're just <laughs> happy we're just gonna have a like more activity and right you just have more microbial activity and that often leads if if you have um, a saturated soil so your or waterlogged soil mm -hmm. so after like a rain event uh, that means more n2o but it also means more uh, microbial activity which is very good to the soil we had also um, a higher level of uh, label nitrogen so many mm -hmm. Like many indicators of soil health were better in the 60 inch system. So, so yeah, it's always the trade off of, yeah, we have better soil health, but then this could lead to more. Right. <laughs> There's no perfect system. Yeah, exactly. You have to kind of pick what's going to mm -hmm. fit your goals, I guess, the most. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, With the legumes in, in the mixes, would any of, that nitrogen that they're fixing be available in that in that year or is it all kind of for the the next cropping year that's, <laughs> that's a very good question <laughs> and uh we will have the answer to that very soon oh so cool we, yeah and and that trial what we, we've done is that we've used um an isotope so <laughs> nitrogen the so we bought fertilizer and the mineral nitrogen fertilizers but it's we 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 paid forty thousand dollars for it just for like less than a, a hectare uh, because it's <laughs> labeled with an isotope that we can follow exactly the nitrogen we put as a fer fertilizer. Oh, Where cool. is it going? Is it going to the corn? Is it going to the cover crops? Or is it oh wow uh, as a N2O emission, which is a greenhouse gas emission, or is it going into the nitrogen pool, like just the organic matter? within the soil yeah or in their microbial biomass or yeah so we can follow <laughs> uh, we that's don't super the, cool the, yeah we don't have the results yet that. <laughs> uh so i don't have the answer for you we'll of, just uh, have to talk again we'll just have to yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah 
but from the literature, I guess we know that legumes would share within the same growing year mm -hmm. to grasses, but I I would think that yeah probably not significant yeah and because of the distance between like if we have right. only like uh yeah there's still like about half or maybe uh that's maybe 10 inch mm -hmm. between the corn rows and the first row of cover crops right. so that's a yeah yeah it's quite a ways for things to yeah, travel exactly. yeah yeah but, but the next year yeah exactly over <laughs> gonna years, be yeah. gonna be yeah. a whole lot so I guess what are the benefits in your mind and and according to the growers that you know that are doing this of this wide row system over just interseeding cover crops into a, a 30 inch system? Mm -hmm. And I guess what what situation would be a good fit for this this system? Mm -hmm. So some of the benefits that farmers are um I guess telling us that they've observed on their farm would really be some uh, improvement in the soil properties of mm -hmm. the soils. But again, that's the buildup over time. Um, sure. And we've seen that with some of the indicators of soil health also in our trial. They would see that it's for uh, harvesting the corn in October often. Mm -hmm. yeah, it would be uh, a better... Um, Oh, yeah, like, yeah, better to drive on. Yeah, better to drive of. on. Yeah. Which cannot always be achieved with using cover crops in a 30-inch row because if right. there's too much shade, then you have a, just a little bit of clover and it's not enough to... Uh, yeah, that yeah. tends to really thrive once it's harvested. It can really kind of take off, but yeah. this is going to have a lot more growth in season prior to harvest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for the... Um, Kind of the legacy effect on yield of crops after mm -hmm. uh, again we don't have enough data but yeah. <laughs> this year so we we've done in one of our trial we've done um 60 inch and 30 inch corn in 2021 and mm -hmm. then we've done it again same field um same plots 2022 so two years of corn and then this year 2023 we grew uh, soybeans and 30 inch row everywhere. Mm -hmm. Just to see the legacy effect of having two years of a uh, solar corridor. Right. Or just having regular 30 inch row. Um, we were hoping <laughs> to, to have an improvement in soybean yield. Right. And we've seen no difference. Okay. Well, no difference is still good though. Yeah. You know, it's... Yeah. Yeah, if it's not a reduction, then it's a win. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but because we've we had seen like very fast, like after even after one season, we've seen improvement in soil health, which right. is rare and like a one yeah. year effect. And and then we've seen it again after the second year. So we were like, okay, like our soils are better on yeah. the sixty inch. So we should. But maybe we're also thinking that maybe it's because we've chosen soybeans. Right. Which also doesn't... They're pretty low maintenance anyways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so maybe if we would have put another crop. But again, I think we wanted to represent what farmers would do. Right. They would follow two years of corn with soybeans and Quebec anyway. So yeah, there's so much, uh, so much still to learn about this type of of system but I think that's really exciting because you know people in 
obviously the farmers in Quebec who are doing this and and anywhere are really kind of on the the cutting edge of <laughs> of things and and trying to figure this out so I think that's really cool mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and also the some of the benefits that they've we're still doing the economical analysis, but oh, yeah. we use less seeds. So I guess our seeding rate for corn is lower. Right. There's less inputs. So, right. or the cost of inputs is lower. So I guess maybe if yeah, we do have 10 to 15% reduction in yield. But mm -hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like there could be potential for some nitrogen to play with the nitrogen rates a little bit too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so if you could reduce those by 10, 15%, then that'd be awesome too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so what else do you have coming up? Like what's the next, the next thing you're working on in this type of, in this realm, I guess. So we're, uh, one project we have is with the, um, the agriculture and agri-food Canada living lab, but mm -hmm. the one in Quebec. Um, yep. So there's a new one starting this year, 2023 until 2028. We're um, again, looking at carbon sequestration uh, from cover crops. So by cover crops. And we're, we've decided that instead of doing uh, just a, what I would call like a regular field experiment and a research station, we're just going to go out uh, on mm -hmm. about 20 to 30 farms mm. just look at their cover crop growth and also um we're um so <laughs> we're aiming to be able to predict how much cover crop biomass you can grow like let's say on your farm if you give me the soil type mm -hmm. you give me your crop uh, cover crop seeding date you give me, we looked at the data to know what's the first, the date of the first frost. Mm -hmm. you, you give us like the seeding rate and the cover crop species you've used. And then we could maybe model oh, <laughs> cool. how much cover crop biomass you would grow. Yeah. And that's, again, that's not extremely useful to farmers. <laughs> <because> like <laughs> whatever happens, it's going to happen on my yeah. field. Like I cannot, it's seeded. I'm just right. going to have to wait, but for, uh, <laughs> which I fully agree, but again, for, um, so many of my colleagues work with models and they don't go out in the field or on farms to take right. data. And they're like, we're just going to put like model how much carbon stocks this farm is going to like be able to, or right. how much carbon it can sequester. And then we're just going to predict how much we, we're going to pay that farm for this or like what's the benefit or, or or just the benefit of agriculture in general right and again like for one example we don't have the and on those in those models we don't have no data on cover crop uh, root biomass mm -hmm. um which is yeah <laughs> a problem mm -hmm. uh, and again like we we have a little bit of data in in those models but not enough data so i'm like I was talking to my colleagues and they were like, yeah, this is the data we're missing. And mm -hmm. we were like, okay, we have a great team. Uh, we know farmers, we can get on the farm on 30 farms. Just tell us what you need for your yeah. data. And, and find uh, that data. Yeah, exactly. We're going to go get it. And uh, cool. That, so we're, that's what we're going to be doing. That's one of many projects, but the next five years. Uh, yeah. We're just going to go harvest cover crops everywhere with this. Cool. Field. 
Awesome. Well, this is this has been fantastic. I think we've covered a, a lot of um, information and a lot of stuff that I kind of had in mind, but some things like the um, like the wind impact and stuff that I hadn't thought of before. So um, yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, it was a pleasure. And my first experience uh, participating in a podcast. So. Oh, good. Well, I hope it was a <laughs> I hope it was a good one. <laughs> it was, yeah. Great. Thank you for listening to this episode of Outstanding in the Field. Funding for this episode, in part, has been provided by Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada through the Agricultural Climate Solutions On-Farm Climate Action Fund. Follow us on social media at NS Perennia and subscribe to the podcast so that you catch all the new episodes released monthly. Thanks to Perennia for supporting this podcast and Rachel Oxner from our marketing and communications team for podcast production. 